This is a special episode of the Alpha Universe podcast. I'm Christopher Robinson, editor of alphauniverse.com, and my special guest today is Eldine Nadia. Eldine, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me again. So, um, El, we're sitting here in a hotel room in New York on the eve of an exciting new camera introduction. Let's tell me about it. A7R Mark IV. Yeah, that usually seems to be the time that we get together, isn't it? <laughs> on the eve of, of the eve of a great new launch. So yeah, so by the time everybody listens to this podcast, the A7R, which stands for Resolution, Mark IV, which as you could tell would be the fourth in our lineup of uh, A7R series cameras, uh, would have been announced. So really exciting with this new model. Being resolution and, and being in the line of resolution cameras, you know, the first series of uh, A7Rs with 36 megapixels. The last series was 42.4 megapixels. Uh, and this one really jumps up to the world's first 61 megapixel backside illuminated XMOR CMOS sensor. So typically a resolution like that uh, in the past was, you know, really for medium format cameras, um, you know, going over 50 megapixels, especially now in a full frame camera is, is sort of unsurpassed. And, uh, you know, we're taking it to the next level as we're seeing other cameras coming into the market, other mirrorless cameras coming into the market, challenging uh, Sony's dominance in mirrorless. And we, you know, we, we continue to drive forward with uh, sensor development and, you know, the way that the camera performs. Mm -hmm. So this, obviously, the 61 megapixel sensor is kind of the, uh, it's the big number. It's like the horsepower, you know, but there's there's more to the camera that's new. Uh, we were talking right before we were recording that there's something like, what, you say 70 new? Yeah, I went through the brochure and the specs as I'm, you know, prepping all the documents for our retailers and, and for the product announcement. And uh, I got to about 70 features that have, you know, either brand new or some sort of an update to them. I mean, really, uh, part of it is a ground up build of the camera. And there's a number of things that we've had to develop to accommodate the 61 megapixels. Now, keep in mind, when you have a look at medium format cameras or when you have a look at other high resolution cameras, there are serious limitations to what they can do, especially with speed and performance. And uh, we're not compromising at all on the, on the A7R Mark IV. We still will be able to shoot at 10 frames a second with continuous autofocus and auto exposure at full resolution in JPEG and RAW mode. Now, when you have a look at our competitors in the market, they even battle to keep up at... 24 megapixels can, you know, you know, they, they spec in some of the competitors' cameras would show 10 and 11 frames per second, but not with continuous autofocus and auto exposure. You have to essentially slow those cameras or dumb them down to five and six frames a second in order to get continuous AE and AF. So at 61 megapixels, being able to do 10 frames a second, double what they're able to do with continuous AF and AE required a lot of, you know, not just uh, hardware development, but also software development. So a number of updates had to be made to the camera. So first of all, the uh, sensor, I'll go through kind of step by step what had to be redeveloped on the whole camera. So a all new uh, backside illuminated, which is our XMOR CMOS sensor, and backside illuminated essentially means the circuitry is behind the photosensing diodes, allowing for more uh, light to hit each pixel each photosensing diode with a gapless on-chip design so more light gathering capabilities essentially what that equates to as an XMOR sensor is better low light performance right so even with larger quantity of pixels we are still able to get the same low light performance as we got out of the uh, a7r mark 3 
which is pretty incredible. The other thing that we've done is added on a front end to LSI, and that helps us for pre-processing. It then goes to a DRAM, which is just before the imaging processor, that's for buffering, and then a new BeyondZX image processing engine. So all in all, a much faster transfer of data from the sensor as it does uh, you know, analog to digital light conversion. Front-end LSI helps for that pre-processing, sends a tremendous amount of data through to the DRAM, and then holds it there while the BeyondZX processing engine processes it. So a lot of lot of development just on the uh, sensor processor side. So a camera with 61 megapixels could suffer from shutter shock from the mechanical shutter system, correct? That's correct. And actually, that's really why the silent shutter becomes even more critical on a camera like this. So we're able to shoot with 100% silent shutter, which means there's no mechanical moving parts at all. So that allows you to shoot at slower shutter speeds without any shutter shock within the camera. I'm not talking about image stabilization, but I'm talking about the movement of the shutter. We also have uh, electronic first curtain shutter which means it's a combination of mechanical shutter and electronic shutter. So the sensor is charged for the first part of capturing the image, and then the mechanical shutter closes to stop exposure. So the first curtain is electronic, and then it closes with a mechanical shutter. The mechanical shutter, though, has been completely redesigned. It's been built from the ground up. It's a completely new module. It's not like we've had on any of the other cameras. And you can actually feel and hear the difference. It's got a braking mechanism. It's also got dampers on it. You know, basically, it's a lot more silent, and it produces way less vibration in the camera than any other shutter mechanism that we've had before. So shooting at 61 megapixels, you can easily shoot the same way. In fact, you can you, you can even handhold even more than what you've had on the previous models because the shutter mechanism has been improved so much. In addition to the shutter mechanism, the other thing that causes camera shake, obviously, would be uh, you know motion with your hands. So if you're shaking your hands, we redesigned the five-axis in-body image stabilization system as well to compensate for the 61 megapixels. So this will still deliver 5.5 stops of compensation over you know not using stabilization at all. So basically, that says is if you're shooting in let's say one one hundredth of a second, you can actually stop down five times using the in-body image stabilization and get the same stable image as you would if you weren't using stabilization at 100, a one-hundredth of a second. You can go five stops slower than that, uh, and or five and a half stops actually slower than that, and still be able to get the same type of image. And when you're talking about image stabilization, as resolution on a sensor goes up, the need for that kind of stabilization goes up with it. It's almost analogous to you know using a longer lens, you need more stabilization. Absolutely. I was going to say the exact same thing, saying that you know as you increase uh, focal uh, length, you need you know better stabilization, and the same as you increase uh, pixels. It's pretty incredible. The image stabilization system is uh, so fine tuned that it can actually move within half a pixel, which is pretty wild. If you think about the A7R Mark III had pixel shift multi-shooting, which essentially would take four images and it would be able to move the pixels of 41 uh, megapixel, 41 million pixels, would be able to move by one pixel, you know, one up, one left, one down, one right. The A7R Mark IV can actually do 16 shot pixel shift multi-shooting and it can move by half a pixel so even though it has over one and a half times the quantity of pixels it can actually move by half a pixel so even though the pixels are smaller it can still move by half a pixel so it's pretty mind-boggling to figure how accurate that uh, image stabilization system actually is enabling it to move by half pixel increments 
and you were talking about the new pixel shift technology in this camera for architecture and, and landscape photographers, you know, landscape photographers who are shooting a scene that's absolutely not moving, they're going to get something like a 240 megabyte file. Yeah, so it's pretty incredible. So if you have uh, 16, 61 megapixel images, you get around about 950 odd plus or minus, somewhere around there, megapixels that you import into you know the new, uh, I think it's version 2.0 of the Imaging Edge software. You can then combine those 16 images into one and you come out with a 240 megapixel file, which is pretty incredible. So now, you know, when we're comparing this to even what the current day uh, medium format cameras can capture, you know, th those are typically don't have great image stabilization. They don't shoot fast. Um, so when using, you know, the pixel shift technology, you're essentially going to be using it for architecture, you know, real estate. You'll be using it for fine art or still life. You know, landscapes that non-moving, in other words, there's not, you know, trees or grass blowing in the wind. So th there are limited uses, but the uses that people do actually utilize medium format cameras for a lot of the times, this would essentially be a higher resolution than what you're going to get out of a medium format camera. So being able to combine those images. There's another benefit, though, as well. So the, the pixel shift, what it really does is it makes use of the Bayer pattern on the sensor. And the, and the CMOS Bayer pattern is typically... Uh, two greens for every one red and one blue. So the pattern is normally um, something like green, red, green, blue, green, red, green, blue, and it repeats itself. So what it, what it's essentially doing is that when you, when it takes an image, each shaded pixel only allows that color to come through, which means each pixel is only representing one color range. Now, when you do a pixel shift, the idea with a four shift is you get green, a red, a blue, and a green exposure all on the same pixel. Right? So you're being able to uh, increase not only the resolution, but you, you're actually increasing the amount of color data that you're being captured for, for uh, each pixel. Multiply that now by four to get 16 times that, but then there's some pixels are overlapping because it's shifting by uh, half a pixel. It just you know, results in a tremendously high resolution and high detail image. Whenever we're talking about a very high resolution image sensor, the question becomes, okay, you got more pixels now crammed into a finite amount of space. What's that going to do for noise and for dynamic range? So again, the new design of the sensor still allows us to deliver the same type of performance that we got out of the A7R Mark III. That's also due to new area-specific uh, noise reduction technology that uh, the new Beyond's X processor can output. So there's a couple of things that take place. One is the sensitivity of the sensor itself. The other, the, you know, the second and probably more importantly is how fast the data can be taken off the sensor and how fast that data can actually be processed. Sony's processes are extremely fast and we're able to get the data off, process it extremely quickly and then utilizing our noise reduction and, and in this case specifically area specific noise reduction technology we can get, I think it's a uh, 132,000 uh, ISO expandable from 50 to 104,000 something ISO. So tremendous range, but also, um, you know, tremendously clean, even in higher ISOs. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the autofocus system. Yeah, so with the new sensor, um, more pixels across the sensor, we've also increased the phase detection AF points. There's now 567 phase detection AF points. It covers something like 99.3% uh, from the bottom to the top of the sensor and about 74% from left to right. So the total is is an average of about 74% across the whole sensor. So 
really what that results in is almost corner to corner focusability. So you can track a subject throughout the entire range of the sensor. Uh, it works in conjunction with the 425 contrast AF points. So together the 567 phase detection and the 425 contrast, we call that hybrid AF because it uses phase and contrast, uh, fast and accurate. But then along with you know the artificial intelligence that we introduced recently on the A9 firmware update and then uh, some real-time AF tracking that came with the A9 update, as well as technology that we introduced into the A9 firmware update and the A7 uh, Mark III and the A7 Mark III firmware that we recently updated. Essentially what it does is there's real-time AF tracking and that can identify a subject, see, you know, it can recognize a face, it could recognize an eye, so it can track an eye. If the eye becomes uh, not visible to the camera, it'll then move to face detection technology. If the face turns, it'll then go to object tracking. So it uses not only eye, face, and object recognition, but it also uses depth, it uses color, contrast, and detail. So it uses a, a bunch of different criteria in order to track focus and makes it extremely accurate and extremely fast. And you know anybody who's used the firmware on the other three cameras already can attest to you know how incredible the camera actually is you, you really don't have to think about focusing anymore you can allow the camera to focus on, on you know the subject at hand while you're uh, you know controlling other settings so you you know can be focusing more on your composition or your timing while the camera is actually tracking focus so in addition to that real-time IAF tracking real-time IAF tracking now not only for humans but also for animals and for the first time for movie so real-time IAF for movie, which is uh, something that a lot of people have been asking about and uh, is now realized. You know, it's funny because that kind of becomes the last in a series of things we just mentioned. IAF for movie mode, that's pretty huge if you're if you're a filmmaker. Massive, massive. And especially, you know, if you're a, a, a running gun or a one-person shooter, um, it's, you know, a lot of vloggers, particularly, you know, who are shooting themselves, for instance, or, you know, wanting to film themselves, it, you know, they can't stand behind the camera and be in front of the camera at the same time. So this actually really makes, uh, you know, gives you the confidence that you can actually set it into a real-time uh, AF tracking mode, step in front of the camera, and you know that it's going to nail your eye every time. If you're in front of it, if you turn your head, it's going to switch to, you know, object tracking or face detection or something else. And with the LCD, is it now touch-sensitive for AF? Yes. So, you know, it was touch sensitive for AF uh, previously, but now with um, you can activate real-time AF tracking with a touchscreen. When in movie mode, you can uh, now also uh, use the touchscreen for acquiring focus points and uh, doing moves from one focus point to the next as well. So you can also set those to different uh, speeds and sensitivities as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how about the viewfinder? Is that uh, is that changed on this camera? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the new viewfinder, it's uh, still an OLED viewfinder, but it's a UXGA, so an Ultra XGA 5.76 million dot UXGA viewfinder. It's absolutely incredible when you have a look through that viewfinder. The, the clarity and the detail that you can see is just, you know, unsurpassed. Mm-hmm. The A7 Mark III and the A7R Mark III have pretty much identical bodies with maybe a, a slight detail here or there. Um, this body is new. Yeah, slightly. So 
you know, one of the things that Sony does extremely well is everything from its uh, RX100, RX10 camera lineup, you know, the APS-C, you know, A64, A6500 cameras, the A7 lineup and the A9 lineup, is that your camera layout and button positions are the same throughout the whole camera. Now, there are slight differences in each camera depending on the level uh, and the cost of that particular camera. So, for instance, when having a look at the A7 III, you know, none of the dials uh, have locks in it. You know, stepping up to the A7R Mark III mode dial, you have a lock on it that you have to push down, hold it down before you can turn that. Stepping up to the A9, uh, you have two additional dials on the left-hand side, for, you know, to control your drive mode and your focus modes because it's more of a sports shooter's camera and, and you know, you need more direct access control to, to those particular uh, features. Um, you know, we've taken a lot of feedback and, you know, something that we pride ourselves at Sony is listening to feedback and actually responding to it. And, you know, looking at a high-end professional camera, uh, a number of updates have actually been made to the A7R Mark IV. So a slightly beefier grip, um, although the camera dimensions haven't changed tremendously. So the width, the height is all pretty much the same. The grip is a little bit deeper, though. And um, you can actually feel that. It's not a lot deeper, but, you know, physically when you pick up the camera, it's noticeable that you can feel that difference. Uh, a lot of the buttons uh, have been enhanced. When I say enhanced is that they've been optimized for their use. So, for instance, the AF on button protrudes a little bit more. You have a, uh, a aperture and a shutter dial that's on the front and the back of the camera. The one in the back of the camera uh, used to be embedded in the body with only a bit of the dial sticking out. Now it sits on top of the body like the other dials. And, you know, feedback from photographers, you know, who shoot in harsh conditions and sometimes wear gloves uh, or photographers who want, you know, to, to have more of a tactile direct access to a dial and have requested that. So that's now been implemented the exposure dial uh, something that drove me nuts with the uh, uh, mark 3 models and even the a9 to be honest with you um, was i used to bump that all the time and you just should change my exposure and you know uh, had to constantly check that i was you know at a zero exposure if, if i was shooting in manual mode so that i wouldn't you know move move anything that has a a, a a click in click out lock so you can click it into lock it click it out and then you can you can turn it which is really great uh, and there's um you know, updates to the card slots as well. So now it includes two UHS, uh, two card slots, which is obviously for higher resolution and higher speeds. It's it's definitely something that was needed, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the, the A7R three has a single uh, UHS two slot. Yeah, actually, the the seven three, the R uh, Mark three, and the A nine all have a single uh, UHS two card slot, and then a regular uh, SD card slot. So yeah, so this is um, uh, updated the, you know, there's a number of other updates as well. Um, USB-C uh, is now 3.2 type 1. Wi-Fi has been updated on the camera as well. So we've gone from 2.4 gigahertz to include 2.4 and 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi, which allows a lot of different things. One is your uh, wireless FTP transfer uh, is obviously a much faster and also a wider range when you're shooting, a, you know, with a 5 gigahertz router specifically. Um, you can set the camera to go peer-to-peer, -peer, essentially camera-to-computer, or to a wireless router. And if you had to think in uh, terms of maybe shooting in a... Um, not that it is a sports camera, but if you had to shoot with it in a situation like that, you could have a number of cameras connected to a you know a router and, and sending data back. Or more importantly, uh, if you're in a large studio, 
you know, you can set up a wireless router and uh, auger directly to a machine that has a uh, 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi. And you can shoot basically tethered shooting, but wireless. So no need for a cable anymore. Even though we have the updated USB-C cable, uh, you can actually shoot tethered in a studio wirelessly. Or, you know, in layman's term, basically monitor what's happening on the camera, change settings on the camera, and then basically, you know, every time you push the shutter button, the file gets transferred directly back to the PC or Mac that you're using. One of the other updates is the multi-interface shoe. As you know, the MI shoe is not only just a uh, hot shoe for a flash, but it also has the uh, 20 or so pins that connect to our microphone system and enable to you know, record audio without having a separate cable that plugs into you know, the mic input jack. The camera still has a mic and a headphone jack, still has two USB ports, but you can go directly through the multi-interface shoe for uh, audio. One of the updates now is digital audio, and we're releasing two microphones, an XLR adapter and a shotgun microphone that has digital audio, and that can connect through uh, the MI shoot. The camera still has a lot of the great video features. So, you know, being able to shoot uh, utilizing, you know, more pixels than what's actually required for 4K. So it's still shooting like the A7 series that's in market currently. Uh, it could shoot, you know, 6K over sample it for a 4K image. Um, because of the higher resolution, to get uh, uh, no line skipping or pixel binning, what we call full pixel readout, uh, the camera would crop to uh, Super 35 mode, but still being able to deliver with you know S-Log2, S-Log3, HLG hybrid log gamma, which is utilized for HDR video. Uh, it has slow and quick, so you can record anything from one frame a second to 120 frames a second. Uh, it also includes the ability to do time-lapse recording. So there's the time-lapse feature that you can go in. So a tremendous amount of uh, functionality, you know, both in 4K and Full HD, and then also different frame rates and different settings. So Al, I said we weren't going to go through all of the 70-plus new features in the camera, but I think that's a, that's a lot of stuff we just went through. Yeah, uh, you know, like I said, you know, when I started looking at this and started counting them up, I was quite shocked myself at how much was updated. Yeah, we'd have to leave that for another segment, I think, to, you know, to go through all the, you know, additional things, you know, there's uh, menu settings and little fine controls that have uh, been updated and, uh, you know, new features like uh, auto white balance lock and those type of things that we'd have to get into more detail. All right. Well, as always, thank you very much for being a special guest today on the Alpha Universe podcast. Look forward to speaking to you again. Awesome. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for tuning into the Alpha Universe podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at alphauniverse.com. Subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Alpha Universe podcast is sponsored by Sony and produced by Christopher Robinson and Michael Atlin. The executive producer is Alex Stevens. Our engineer is Andy Brohard. Special thanks to the Sony digital imaging team who are always around to patiently answer our questions when it comes to the nuances of camera and lens technology.